Hello, and welcome to the weekly podcast of C2 Church in Columbia, Missouri. Hey, man, I hope you enjoyed that video. I'm Pastor Jeremy. It's great to have you with us this morning at C2 as we continue our series, Believe, as we've been studying prayer and what that looks like over the last few weeks. Uh, so thanks again for joining us this morning. I'd love for you to join us tonight at The Crossing Church, which is just down on Grindstone. I'd love for you to join us as we join all the churches uh, of the community here in Columbia. We are gathering tonight at 5 o'clock to, for a time of worship, a time of prayer, and a time of communion, gathering together under the banner of Jesus Christ. We're going to gather together all races, all ethnicities. Uh, we are going to come together and worship under that name, Jesus Christ. So that's what unifies us. And I believe in this moment, in this time, there's no greater witness than when the body of Christ comes together uh, in unity. So would you join me tonight at 5 o'clock? Service will last uh, maybe just over an hour. And I, I tell you, it'd be worth it. It's a great testimony to our community as the church leads the way in unity. Many of you joined us last week. How many of you were with us last week for our evening of, of prayer and worship? A few of you? Awesome. Everybody likes to, nobody wants to clap. It's all just silence. All right, that's okay. No, that's all right. Hey, it was a great night. There was uh, maybe a couple hundred of us that gathered together in prayer. It was, a, it was a great turnout. So glad that many of you had uh, that open time in your schedule. Uh, but what a great time that we had together. And I want to thank uh, Karis. She's our uh, discipleship and equipping pastor. She's also our interim worship pastor and helps lead the way in that area. She helped put that together uh, last week. And uh, so we're, we're very thankful. I don't know, is Karis in the room? She's always running around. But we want to thank her for that. So when you see her uh, this morning, let her know you're thankful for her leadership. She also put together uh, with our, our team these Believe Prayer Walls just behind you on both sides. Uh, you'll see them with the 3M sticky notes that are our prayer requests, things that we're praying about. And, and you know, those 3M sticky notes are, are a divine uh, invention anyway, so we're putting them to a good use. Right, aren't they? They're an awesome invention. And so we're using them for prayer requests. And, and I have taken time over this week, and, and our staff and many of you have taken time to pray over those requests. So as you put requests up there, we're agreeing with you in prayer. We're, we're praying over those things with you, and we're trusting that God is answering those things. We look forward to hearing the testimony of what God is doing through that. So I encourage you, there's still time as we leave that up. Put your requests on it. Put on those on there, those things that we can agree with you in prayer about. So over the last uh, few weeks as we've been talking about prayer, we talked about praying in the name of Jesus. That in that name, as we pray in the name of Jesus, it's not a magical incantation that we simply recite and, and tack on to whatever we're asking God, but we're saying that when we pray in the character and in the person of Jesus Christ, there's power in that. There's power when we go to the Father God through the person of Jesus Christ. We've talked about praying, last week we talked about praying the, the will of God using the Lord's Prayer uh, found in Matthew chapter 6. We use that as a guide for our prayer, how we can approach our Heavenly Father and pray His will. And as we talk several weeks now about going to God in prayer and praying about anything and praying about everything. We can do that. We can pray for anything, and we can pray for everything. That is our privilege as children of God. In that vein, I want to talk about praying God's word. Because I think if we start 
on the level of praying for anything and praying for everything. You know, we talked about praying for green lights and parking spots, right? Th- that seems sort of almost ridiculous because it's, it's inconsequential in some regard. But that God like, uh, delights himself in answering our requests. And as we mature, as we grow, as we understand the heart of God, our heart begins to change and our desires and our will, the things we begin to ask him for, begin to reflect what he desires. We begin to shift away from self-prayers to praying what he desires. You know, a powerful shift came in my own life when I began to pray the Word of God. As I began to give the Word of God, the Bible, or the Scriptures, we, we use those terms sort of interchangeable, the, the Bible, the Scriptures, we also call it the Word of God, or just the Word. We should just get to where we just call it Word. <laughs> just... That's not even in my notes, but I just added that. (laughs) As I gave the Word of God priority in my life, as I let it have a presence in my daily life, and then in my prayers, I began to experience its power. Have you ever been in that time of prayer where beyond just the things that you want and need, you reach out to God and you just go, "I, I, I don't know what else to say. I'm at the end of myself. The list is exhausted. It's here that we can begin to pray the word of God. And I believe, as if we want his will to become our will, his word must become our words. And that's where I want to focus on this morning. His will becomes my will as his word becomes my words. One of the things that has inspired and, and led me over this month of January is this book called Praying with Confidence by Jeff Leake, L-E-A-K-E. I posted him on my Facebook and I think the, the C2 Facebook as well. A great book worth, the, I think, maybe $10 on Amazon. I, if you're struggling but you want to go to that next level, I, I hope the last few weeks have really helped you get to the next level in your prayer life, whatever that is. Maybe it's inspired you to start praying on a regular basis. Perhaps it's helped you move to another level of praying in your life. Whatever that looks like, I found this book to be helpful and and inspirational. It starts out with a few chapters uh, of teaching that I I found helpful, and then 31 days of guiding me in prayer, and many of those helping me pray through Scripture. So a good recommendation. I don't get any kickbacks from that (coughs) yet. We'll see. But I want to talk this morning about praying God's Word. If we want God's will to become our will, then I think His Word needs to become our words. There's power in praying God's Word. In study, I read this from John Piper, one of my favorite pastors and and preachers. He says this, Realize that there is a direct connection between the degree to which our minds are shaped by Scripture and the degree to which our prayers are answered. Realize that there is a direct connection between the degree to which our minds are shaped by Scripture and the degree to which our prayers are answered. If Scripture is molding our will to what God's is, then our prayers begin to change to what He desires. John Piper then went on to quote John chapter 15, verse 7 and 8. Where Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, 
Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to me to be my disciples. There's something about living in Christ and his words living in me. Jesus says, if my words remain in you, they become active and alive in you, then you can ask whatever you want. Because your wants have changed. They have become one with what God wants. All for one purpose, the glory of God the Father. And it says, in this manner, everything you ask is going to be a revelation of God's glory. It's going to show people that you are a Christ follower. John Piper went on to quote, D.M. McIntyre says, God only answers petitions that his son, Jesus, has had a hand in formulating. If I want my prayers to mature and I want to understand the heart of God, I want Jesus to help formulate those in me. I want the Holy Spirit of God to formulate the prayers. If I'm going to pray anything, and I know that God answers whatever His will already is, then that's what I want. I want to formulate my prayers according to God's will. His will becomes my will as His words become my words. If we're going to pray God's word, we must understand the nature of And the power of God's word. There's something unique about the scripture. In fact, the apostle Paul in his writings to his young protege, Timothy. His second letter in 2 Timothy. He says this, something profound, something something so unique about the writing of the Bible. Beyond the ink on the pages. He says this to young Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 14. He says, but as for you, continue in what you have learned and you have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you've learned it, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is where I want to land this morning. This is what we kind of want to rest on and maybe tear apart a little bit and see what God leads us to. First, I want to start kind of right in the middle where it says, the Scripture is God-breathed. That's the first thing. The Bible is God-breathed. The Greek word for this is theonousis. I'm not even sure if I said that right. Two years of Greek. <laughs> Theonoustos. It's this phrase meaning given by inspiration of God. It's actually a, a two words joined together. Theo meaning God, noustos meaning wind or spirit or breath. It's this word that Paul uses to describe the uniqueness of the scriptures. That God himself breathed these words. You know, we rarely think about breathing, right? We, we don't see it. We don't think about it. It's just, it just happens until you step out on a cold, frosty morning, right? And you see it. You see your breath being expelled from your lungs. You see the particles in the air. I'm totally going to ruin that experience for you. Now, every time you see that, you're going to think about the scriptures, I hope. 
that when God spoke, there was a, a physical manifestation of the very words that he breathed out into what we have today. He inspired them. That word, theonustis. The word noustis, meaning wind, spirit, or breath, is, is the same word we get the word pneumonia from, where we have an infection in our lungs. It's that same word, noustis, it's used in the creation, where God breathed out the existence of every living thing and the creation of the world. It's that same word that Jesus uses when he breathes on his disciples and they receive the Holy Spirit. Noustis meaning breathe and noustis meaning spirit. He does this with his disciples. It's the same word used in Acts chapter 2 on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes upon the disciples. The Bible is inspired by the Holy Spirit of God as he breathed his words into the authors and the authors penned them on paper. The scripture itself affirms this. It talks about itself about the authors recording the very words of God. Both the Old and the New Testament affirm this. And if they are breathed of God, if they are inspired by God himself, written by human hand, then it carries the authority of God. That's the second. The Bible is authoritative. It has the weight of the authority of God. Much like when I write something on the computer, it is inspired by me. It's the computer recording it. The people who recorded the very words of God, it was by the authority and inspiration of God. And not that it's just an authority in our life, right? Because we have many authorities in our life, depending on where you are, where you're at. You have different authorities that you report to and are, are accountable to. But in the life of the believer, the authority, the final authority is the word of God, the Bible. It's our rule for conduct and life and of faith. So it's not just one authority to consider. Oh, I like that part. I don't like that part. I agree with that. I don't agree with that. It is the final authority. And as a believer has the final say in my life and in my conduct. See, the Bible helps us understand and relate to an infinite being. We, as finite creatures, could not relate to an infinite creature without some sort of help. And so, though many might view the Bible as a book of rules, it was meant as a book of relationship. That we could understand and then interact accordingly to a perfect and holy God. If you're like me, sometimes it's... it's it's tough to follow the rules. You shouldn't wear black and navy blue together. I didn't know that. It's a tough rule to follow, right, guys? <clears throat> but the Bible isn't meant simply, for many, it, it seemed as, uh, as an ultimate killjoy. That, eh, it's not really fun to live that way. And yet, the scripture was given to us to relate to God in a very personal way. It was meant to protect and to guide us. Isn't that, in its ideal, 
why laws are made. Uh, I know in, in our broken world, laws often are made, motivated by things other than righteousness and justice. They're made to benefit sometimes uh, unfairly. Yet not the scripture. The scriptures were ideally made because they benefit everyone who would walk according to them. Years ago, I was, I was learning to drive a bus. <laughs> Can you just picture that for a second? Six tons of the finest American steel Detroit ever put out, and I'm behind the wheel, right? This, like, 700-foot-long yellow monstrosity flying down the highway. <laughs> so, but you have to take a test, right? So I studied and studied and studied. I had to learn all the laws and, and things like that uh, applicable to that vehicle, and so... I did, and I passed the written exam, and then I had to take the, the driving examination, right? So I had to go to this certain closed-off area in Minnesota where you take the, the driving part of it, and the instructor gets on the bus, and she stood just kind of behind me um, and held on for dear life, giving me this examination. So she would give me instructions as we drove through this course, and then we would go out onto the highway and interact with real human beings. <laughs> so... I felt confident. I, I practiced a lot um, back at the church with my, my pastor, who was already a licensed bus driver, and so I was able to do that. So we're, we're driving through the course, doing pretty well, and she's very complimentary towards my driving thus far. So she says, hey, we're going to turn right here, and then we're going to take it. We're going to go out onto the highway uh, for that part of the exam. And so she again reiterates, go ahead and take a right here. And as I approach the intersection, I notice a couple cars parked on the street I'm going to turn on to. So I'm c- trying to gauge how, you know, how to navigate that. And, and driving a bus is kind of unique. You've got to turn wide and do certain things. Well, I misjudged it. I was only off by about six inches. Six in- not a big deal. I know what you're thinking. I hit a car. I did not hit a car. Okay, just much worse. I hit the curb. Yeah, some of you know what this means. The curb is concrete, right? You're thinking, what's the big deal? That's what I thought, right? It didn't damage the bus. Nothing happened. But it was an immediate failure. She just said, let's go back to the station. That's it. Because I knew. And she knew I knew. And I knew she knew I knew. (laughs) So we drove back. I had failed. Six inches. What's the big deal? Could have been a person. That's the big deal. I didn't think it was such a big deal, but it could have been a person. It could have been a child standing there. There's a reason, there's a rule for that. That there's a law that governs that bus drivers should not clip the curb. Ever. Because there might be someone standing there, and it might be you. (laughs) Don't let me drive a bus. I just cried my way home the whole time. Never, I never became a bus driver. No cheering, right? <laughs> it didn't make sense to me at the time, but it was the law. Laws don't have to make sense. They're just the law, right? Isn't that what Scripture is like sometimes? It doesn't necessarily make sense to us, and yet it's there for our good and for God's glory. And Jesus' teachings were all based on the Scripture. Jesus didn't 
claim to have any authority except for the authority God gave him, and it was the scriptures that he consistently and constantly went back to. He thought of the scriptures and even communicated that the scriptures were eternally significant, both eternity past and eternity to come. He said, the word of God will never pass away. It will all be fulfilled. It will never change. It's the authoritative word of God. He insisted on their truthfulness as well as their authority. It was all true. And this is the church for over the centuries has held the scripture in high esteem, believing they are the very authoritative word of God. So here in 2 Timothy, Paul is challenging and entrusting Timothy to the scriptures. He says, Timothy, what you have experienced, what you have in your own life become convinced of, he says, carry on with this. Continue it. What you have learned, what you have been convinced of. He says, from your infancy, you've known the Holy Scriptures. For Timothy, at that point, it would have been simply the Old Testament. If it was good enough for Jesus, I'm just saying, it could be good enough for us. And here, Paul says to Timothy, trust that experience. Trust that the experience of the encounter with the Word of God, it's powerful powerful enough to transform your life as you have observed the power of it changing other lives, as you have seen it work in my life, Paul says, then carry it on. And in this regard, Paul is saying, the message that I've given you, which is the gospel, which would become the New Testament, or most of the New Testament, Paul's saying, you've seen me live it, you've seen those around you live it, you know its power. The word that we use sometimes to describe the authority of the scripture is inerrancy or its ability to be, to be infallible, without error and without the ability to fail. That in its original form, it was perfect. It was unable to have error and unable to fail. Both science and history over and over again has proved out the word of God to be true. And we take into context the ancient Near East mindset. You know, so some of the interpretations of Scripture, when they talk about the sun rising and the sun setting, we understand that, that the sun doesn't necessarily rise, and, and yet that worldview is not un- ununderstandable. We understand from their mindset. They weren't describing it from a scientific point of view. But that's beyond our discussion this morning. What we know is that the Word of God is true and reliable. That the copies we have, the translations, the major translations, are accurate and reliable in their scope and in their form. In fact, just I was reading an article a few months ago about an, uh, other copies of the manuscripts of many of our scriptures discovered. I mean, this is always interesting, both from a faith perse- uh, perspective and an archaeological perspective, because they will immediately compare them to the earliest manuscripts that we have. Do you know the Bible is the most accurately copied uh, translation of any document in the world? The most accurate over thousands of years. They have compared the ancient uh, copies. It's the most accurate. 
Better than Shakespeare. Go figure. But we can trust and we can rely that God is powerful enough to protect the very words that he had penned originally and all the way through the translations. It's not like my texts. Texting is not very reliable. Autocorrect, need I say more? <laughs> right? Where's Granny? I thought she was going to be here for Thanksgiving. Grandma's in the grave. What? What are you saying? Oops, sorry, she's in the garage. Oh, okay. Right? I mean, that's a... All right, go to the next one. What about this text? How's the morning sickness? Not too bad today. I can't believe that we're having another baby. I'm leaving you. What? No, I'm leaving, I'm leaving work now. Okay, that's... <laughs> translation. Okay, I, I understand that, right? What's the next one? I hate April. This month is rainy and disgusting. It will be over soon. April showers bring May flatulence. <laughs> flatulence. And if I had a dime for every time I said that, right? <laughs> anyway, next one. What's the next one? Grandma's in heaven now. She died? What, what happened? Are you okay? Yes, I'm fine. She's in heaven. I understand that, but what happened? Sorry, Grandma's at Hair Max Hair Salon. Sorry, not dead. <laughs> Can just put yourself in that person's shoes for just a moment as you're realizing that your loved one has passed away, and you're finding out by text, nonetheless. <laughs> not even a phone call. Oh, she's at the hair salon. Okay. What's the last one? This is Jesus. This is my new number. shocked that Jesus felt like I was as close enough to friend to, for him to give me his number. <laughs> the power of prayer, folks. Jesus will send you his number. I think sometimes this is how we view the Bible. Well, yeah, it may have been accurate way back when, but over time, you know, things happen. But is God not powerful enough? Does he not have you know, like an ultimate version of Siri or autocorrect to keep his words from failing in our lives. This is why I believe it's the authoritative rule for our life and for our faith, that it can govern every aspect of my life. It's the truth. It's not just true. It's the truth truth. Grasp that. It's not just a number of true statements kind of formulated, but it's truth. Jesus said it this way. He said, whoever takes my words and puts them into action, meaning you believe it so much that it affects the way you act and believe, he says, this person who puts my words into action is like a person who builds their life on the solid rock, a firm foundation. The winds and trials of life will come, but the house will not fall down. But those who fail to are like the foolish person who builds their life on sand. When the waves and the wind and the trials of life come against it, that house will fall down. As this blizzard roars over the east coast and they get 70 feet of snow or whatever they're getting, some of the pictures that are coming back are amazing. But one of the ones I saw last night 
was of the, the coast, of the shore, of the sand that had in the first few hours of the powerful waves coming in swept out to sea some hundred feet of the shoreline. And we're talking a few feet deep, swept away in a moment. The Word of God is authoritative enough to build our lives upon. And, and what Paul writes to Timothy, he says, listen, it's able to make you wise into salvation. Isn't that the primary goal of the Scripture? Is the salvation of our souls in relationship to the Almighty Creator? Salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Realize that the Bible is the progressive revelation of God to all of humanity. From the beginning to the end, from the first chapter to the last, it's the revelation to you and to me in a personal way about who God is and how he acts, about his character. It's the foundation I can build my life upon. And it's relevant. The Bible is relevant. It's not trendy or cool or in style, but it's relevant, meaning I can understand it and I can apply it to my life. His will becomes my will as his word becomes my words. As I begin to pray the scriptures, I begin to integrate this into my life, I find ways, the Holy Spirit inspires me in ways to adjust my life according to how God wants me to act. This is why Paul says to Timothy, look, the scripture is useful. It's not just something to be put up on a shelf or listened to on a Sunday morning from some long-winded preacher at other churches. <laughs> but it's useful for you that you can read it, you can understand it, and the Holy Spirit can help you apply it to your life. And he says, Timothy, listen, it's good for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Could it be more complete? Could it be more relevant to your life? And I know I read it this way. It's good for teaching others and rebuking others and correcting others and training others. But I'm the other. It's good for you to train yourself, rebuke yourself. You ever had that conversation with yourself? <laughs> you need the Holy Spirit of God to rebuke yourself for things you know you shouldn't be doing or that you should be doing. The uh, most unruly heart you'll ever meet is your own. And you let the Holy Spirit of God teach you, rebuke you, correct you, and train you. I can build my life on something useful and relevant like the Scripture because it will never change. But listen, the Scripture is spiritually discerned. Can I read it and understand it? Yes. I can read it. I can understand it. But it's because the power of God by His Holy Spirit enlightening my mind and my heart to do so. Paul writes extensively, and you'll see on the, the screens the references in 1 Corinthians where he says, the natural person does not accept the things of God. We, by our nature, don't understand Scripture. In fact, we reject it. And he says, for they are folly to those who reject it. It's not able to understand because it's spiritually discerned. For before that, he says, who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person. And so it is with God. Who knows the thoughts of God except God's spirit? And he reveals it to us. He says prior to that, the gospel 
is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who believe, it is the power of God. It's spiritually discerned. This is why Jesus prayed to the Father on the disciples' behalf. He said, open their minds that they might understand. This is how I begin my reading of Scripture. Each time I say, Father, open my mind, open my heart to understand what you are saying. This is why we gather together on a Sunday morning is to discern what God is saying to us collectively as a community of believers, but also for him to speak to you individually and to me individually. This is why we have life groups where we we study scripture together. Again, so as a group, we, we can discern what God is saying to us, but also to me. That's why we provide experiences like our next classes, so that you can take another step in becoming more like Christ. So we provide Financial Peace University where you might learn what the scripture says about how to govern your, your finances so that they might reflect God. This is why we provide the school of ministry so that you can take an, uh, your study of scripture to another level. All this you can find on cpchurch.com. Or Right Now Media, another thing we provide. You can subscribe to it. It's free to you. Go online, find the subscription page, enroll. It's like the Netflix of Christian Bible study. You say, man, I really would love to understand Scripture more. Well, what are you doing to understand it more? Well, you know, I binged on uh, CSI Jerusalem the other night. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. There's like 17 CSIs, so I just guessed. I'm even not sure. That's the biblical version. But you go on right now and you click on something like Matt Chandler or Francis Chan and you say, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take 20 minutes to learn about the book of Philippians today and I'm going to binge on God's word, right? If, if you can binge on, I won't even say my favorite shows, but if you can do that, you can do it with the word of God. If he can open our minds, if the word of God is authoritative and relevant, then it's also powerful. I'll close with this. The Bible is powerful, but I must give it priority. I must give it a presence in my life, ongoing, and then I must give it permission. I must give God permission to speak his words to my life. As hard as they might be, I must submit to what he is calling me to, and in turn, it will become powerful in my life. The word of God becomes powerful as you incorporate it into your life, as you begin to pray it over your life and over your family, as you declare it in your life and over the circumstances that you face. We believe this theonoustos, this word of God, inspired, God-breathed word, not only points us to the source of scripture, but it signifies that the word of God remains active and living continuously in our lives as we become receptive as a reader. Listen, Jesus understood the power of Scripture. When he was alone, led into the desert, the Scriptures say, by the Spirit of God to be tempted, he there encounters Satan who tempts him. One of the temptations is over food. I can't relate to that. That's totally not relevant. Totally relevant, because here is Jesus who's submitting himself to the Spirit of God, placing himself vulnerably 
He's fasting, so he's hungry. He, he fasts for 40 days. Get that. It's at the end of these 40 days that Satan comes to tempt him and says, you're hungry. You're a genius, Satan. <laughs> Tell this stone to turn into bread. Jesus' response. Listen, Jesus' response is, is this simple. It is written. It is written that man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man, we spend more time planning what we're going to do for every meal sometimes than we think about the word of God applying to our life. And yet Jesus prioritized it in his life. And then he used it in his prayers. Satan, you don't have power over me. It's written. That's the truth that you can declare over your life. It is written. Listen, the scripture says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. I think every good Christian has probably heard that announced from pulpit after pulpit after pulpit, except we leave out the first part because it's the hardest. <laughs> it says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Do the first part, you'll get the second part. You submit to God and to his word, guess what? Satan doesn't have authority over your life anymore. You've taken it away. This is what Jesus did. Submit to God, and he says, Satan, you have no authority. The written word of God has authority in my life. If it's good enough for Jesus, I'm just saying. Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active it's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That's how powerful the Word of God is. It's pointy and sharp. It will hurt your feelings. But you know the good thing about Scripture? It's an equal opportunity offender. It doesn't care about who you are or what you look like. It will make you mad. You won't agree with it. But when you submit, you grant God authority and permission in your life instead of Satan. I'm just saying. Listen, I want to close with this. We're talking about this double-edged sword of the Spirit of God. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 6. When he says, listen, we don't wrestle in this world against flesh and blood. We don't battle things that we see and touch and feel. We battle against the unseen powers in the spiritual realm. He says, if you want to go to battle, you better dress for it, fool. Well, he doesn't say fool, but <laughs> I think it's implied. And he says, put on the full armor of God that you can stand. And then he lists off the spiritual armor of God, and then he gets to the conclusion, and he says, when you're going to take the stand, you better take up two things. You better take up the shield of faith and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. If you're going to go to battle, folks, you better have the right equipment. You better have something to fight with. Paul says it this way. 2 Corinthians. As he's writing to the church in Corinth, in chapter 10 of, of 2 Corinthians, starting in verse 3, he says, listen, this is what you need to know about the battle we wage. Though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments 
and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. The weapons we fight with are not of this world. Listen, I know we're, we're in, a, in a, a stage and time in our country where it's election season and we're gearing up. You know, we started like 13 months ago and we got like another 20 months to go. And there's all these ways that we think, oh, well, if we did this, and, and there's ways that the world wages war. And there's a time for us to stand and, and, and let our voices be heard. I'm not arguing that. But you better be spiritually ready. And Paul says, we don't wage war like the world does. No. The weapons we fight with are strong because they have divine power. What he talks about in here is what we call strongholds. I don't know if you've ever heard that word, but in here he describes it this way. He, s- he says the words, demolish strongholds. He says, every argument and every pretension that sets itself against the knowledge of God, every thought that would be disobedient, we make obedient. I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's, it's addiction, like a, a physical addiction that has set itself up against the knowledge of God, so you have become the slave to that thing instead of a slave to righteousness through Christ Jesus. Or maybe it's a thought pattern about who you are. Well, I, I'm not this, and I, I'm, I'm this. And it's, it's this broken record repeated in your life, and the cycle you just can't seem to break is the power of God to break that stronghold in your thought patterns. Or maybe it's how you think about God. Maybe you have a wrong cons- concept of who God is and who He is not. That stronghold needs to break. And it's the word of God that will help you understand and give you the power to take every argument the devil makes. Every word that has been spoken over your life that is not from God. Every word that has broken your spirit. Every curse that's been spoken over you at some point in your life that leads you to an identity not found in Christ. The word of God will smash it and make it obedient to Christ as you submit, as you give it priority and presence and permission in your life. When you do this, you begin to understand how loved you are, that the grace of God extends to you in every moment, in every circumstance, because you walk in forgiveness and in freedom. Romans 1 says you belong to him. Hebrews 13 says he will never leave you. He will never give up on you. Philippians 4 says he will meet every need in your life according to his riches. That he has a plan and purpose according to Jeremiah 29 and 11. And you begin to declare these words over your life. You declare these words over your family and your friends and your coworkers. We begin to declare them over our community. And what happens is the word of God becomes flesh through his people. And we become the salt and light that Jesus talks about. All right. Thank you, Jumi. The early church believed in praying the very word of God. That's what formulated their liturgy was the very word of God. Is it not good enough for us to pray the word of God? Band, come. They're going to sing a song as we reflect, as we simply listen this morning and let the words of God soak into us, as we ask God to speak to us, clarify his thoughts. 
song is called Touch the Sky. It says, I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. There's something about the physical submission when I kneel before God. I declare weakness of myself. I've now humbled my schedule because I'm not walking anywhere like this. I say, God, my, my schedule is humbled to you. I'm taking this moment to reach to you. It's in that moment we touch a piece of heaven as we declare the power of the scriptures in our life. I want you to simply reflect, and I'll come back up and close this out, but perhaps you'll ask the Lord to speak to you as you listen this morning. Amen. I touch the sky when my knees hit the ground. Listen, when you pray the word of God, there's power. Your needs are met. You discover the character and the promises of God are true. They are yes and amen. Bodies healed, lives changed, souls saved, provision received, peace extended to you and to me. Let me give you a couple things this morning. Listen, when you pray the scripture, there's power. One thing Karis has done for us, thank you again, Karis is playing the piano right now, is this little handout. Several ways to pray God's word. Take it, it's practical. Use it. Find one of these that works for you. Use them all. It's effective. It'll transform the way you pray as you use the word of God to pray his will and his word. So use that. Let me challenge you in this, church. Pray out loud. Pray out loud. I can't, Pastor. I'm an introvert. Get over it. (laughs) No one is introverted with the Lord. Speak it out loud in the privacy of your, your prayer closet, whatever that is. Pray out loud. Pray the scriptures out loud. In your home, in your dorm room, read the scriptures out loud. The word of God will become flesh. It will dwell among you. In your dorm room, in your home, over your children. Parents, read it over your children. Pray it. Declare the truth of it. We are surrounded by lies. So declare and release the truth of the word of God wherever you go, but especially in your home especially over your children. Pray it. It'll break the chains of addiction and identity found in everything except God. And you begin to declare this, you will discover, I guarantee it. Pastor, how can you guarantee it? (laughs) Because God said it. Don't take my word for it. Never take my word for it. Take his word for it and pray it out loud. One, it keeps you from distractions. If you're like me, you need focus. So praying out loud, you hear yourself. You focus on what you're saying. Not real important, but it helps you focus. And there's power in the spoken word. Research shows there's one voice above every voice that you hear that your mind will believe. You know whose voice that is? Your own. 
and all the truths of the scripture spoken aloud over you, especially your own voice, will break every untruth that has been spoken over you, whether by culture or by parents or by somebody in your past. You speak the truth and declare it. As you pray, as you pray the Psalms and and the the Thanksgiving Psalms and the the heart-wrenching, desperate Psalms, you'll learn a new vocabulary. You'll learn the, the phrases that you go, whoa, I never knew how to pray that. It will open up your vocabulary as you connect with God. Would you stand with me in this moment, church? I want to pray a blessing over you. I'm going to declare it over you today. But that scripture we read earlier talks about that the word of God is given primarily for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ and Christ alone. And maybe you've never taken that step to declare faith in Christ and in him alone. Church, would you close your eyes and bow your heads in this holy moment? We're once again going to give you that opportunity to take, take that step to declare faith in Christ, to receive salvation and forgiveness through his work on the cross and his resurrection. If that's you this morning, would you raise your hand up high? We're not going to point you out or embarrass you. We're simply going to say a prayer, a prayer of faith that will begin the journey of becoming more like Christ and declaring your followership of him. If that's you, would you raise it up high this morning real quick? Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see your hand. The church, with all those who raised their hand, we're going to declare faith with them this morning. Would you repeat after me out loud? Just repeat the words I say. Heavenly Father, I believe in you. I believe you sent Jesus to live a perfect life, to die in my place, and to rise again to give me new life. I receive your forgiveness and your grace. Help me to live for you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. And Father, I pray a blessing over your people today. Father, as we declare your words, your promises, your truths over our life, we know you are faithful. Above everything, you are faithful to your character and to your words. And so we as your body will declare them over ourselves, our families, our community, and your world. Use our lives. We lay them down for you to raise them up again in new life for your kingdom. So would you bless your people, not as we believe we should be blessed, but as you believe we should be blessed, so that your power would be made perfect in our weakness. Father, for every person today that has been crushed by words of untruth over their life. Raise them up in this moment to new life and the truth and identity found in you. Break every chain of addiction, of broken relationship, of hopelessness in the name of Jesus, of depression, be gone in the name of Jesus, of oppressive spirits, be gone in the name of Jesus. And we will walk in your light and the life through your word, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. so be it, amen. Church, bless you today. Hey, we're so glad you listened in. If you made a decision to follow Christ today or would like more information, 
please email us at nextsteps at c2church.com or visit us at c2church.com.